Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Julia Show for your Tuesday. We'll be as productive as we can be today. Thank you for joining us. Holly Roberts is in for Lori today. And in honor of Julia's new look, we have this special theme song just for her today. Who's that girl? Who's that girl? Who's that girl? Freshly shorn and Look looking fabulous. I had this dude yes. many years ago. I'm going to actually bring in a photo. Um, if you go to our Instagram page, Lori Julia and Julia, you can see my new short do. I'm so happy. I went in to see Kelly today at Splan and I'm like, it's time. Yeah. It's just time. Mm-hmm. So how long had you had your hair at the length it was oh. this morning when you woke up, when you got out of bed? Too long. Too long. <laughs> well, did you did you go in my, with a plan? No. Well, I, you know, I saw this haircut and both Lori and I, and she goes, that's kind of my hair. And I said, well, yours is thicker. She, it looks like a good cut for people who don't have as much hair as you do. Because mm. Lori's hair is, she must, if I have like a hundred little strands in a little area, she probably has 25,000. Yeah. That's how thick her hair is. Mm-hmm. And so she's really lucky. And I'm like, well, this might work for thin Little hair. So anyway, I have just a I, almost a pixie. It looks fantastic. It just feels so good to be off. Oh yeah, my hair was. Too, it just needed a style for so long, for so very very long. So is friend. this is this one of those haircuts that you'll be able to recreate yourself? Oh you yeah, because the, there's nothing in it. There's nothing it's to just, it. It's, it's really easy to hair. style. It's yeah, really I wouldn't, I mean. be, yeah. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if I get it cut shorter and it goes oh whiter, blonder. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. that will be awesome. Yeah, that will both, look so good, Julia. They're both going to happen, but and, not today. We we not. I mean, boy, I was so excited. Anyway, <laughs> well, it looks fantastic. You can see it also too on the My Talk Facebook page. Yes. Oh, there for she, crying out loud! Are. Yes, and you can see it. One of the photos Hannah was having me turn around and go surprise. My cheeks look like uh, the Grinch who stole Christmas because of the angle. And one of them was like, oh, God, cheeky, cheeky. No, you look fabulous. Um, And there's a gif of you and you're working it. Moving on, moving on. All right, we have a date, people. This is very exciting news. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? What? What's that squeaking? The speaker's up too loud in there. Oh, and this one? Okay. What are you doing April 2019? Uh, let me just check like the entire calendar. month, just the entire month. I don't know I'm because just gonna it's gonna around. the end is gonna become winter. 
is over, sort of, maybe. And we're going to have the Game of Thrones premiere of the final season in April of 2019. They've made us wait a long time. Oh, finally. um, (laughs) Then it's going to be happening. We got the big news today. That's going to be happening. And then I'm wondering who out there wants to buy one of the most delightful shops that I've been shopping at. And my mother, most importantly, has been going to since way back when the B below is bidding adieu. And if you don't know what the B below shops are, there's four locations in the twin cities, but it all started out in St. Anthony village. Um, and it was like, there were two things there that I remember. There was a bank an ACE hardware, the B below and the Muffaletta restaurant. Yes. And, and Como, Muffaletta, yeah. Como health partners, sure. but it wasn't health partners. It was where we would go see our doctor. It was off of Como and 280. But that I, was, uh, I used to live right there. Did you really? Yes, yeah, I did. You grew up? No, I just I oh. lived there for a time when I was in in school. But I know the neighborhood oh, love it. But the Bibolo is is just been. You know, I didn't really know that much of the history. Um, the lady who owned it, Roxy Free, she's eighty six years old, and she's closing all four stores. She's had these stores. The first one opened in nineteen sixty six, and when she opened it in St. Anthony Park, a neighborhood of St. Paul, she was a she is a fine arts major. Started her business with ten thousand dollars in her father's signature, which was required at the time for a woman in business. God, can you believe that? Yes, it's nineteen sixty six, and she said. Um, there's a Shopton Grand Avenue right next to the Lax, Northeast Minneapolis, and also in Linden Hills. But it's just been this wonderful place to go and find just amazing gifts for so long. And it was always a go-to place for so many people. Absolutely. And she said, you know, this decades before fast fashion became a retail strategy, she would buy items in small quantities. Oh, my mother, she's just a walking below shop. If you look at my mom, <laughs> that's what she looks like. And she said, I just responded to trends. Some of their jeweler craft people have been with them since they started. And the, actually, the guy that owns Patina, the co-owner, Rick Haas, used to intern at the Below. That is completely not surprising. I know. And he worked. He did his college internship, but it lasted for a long time, from 83 to 1992. And he said she's the heart and soul. She was one of the first people to provide um, health care to employees before the competition. She's done wonderful things in retail in the past 50 years. She has been trying to find a buyer. And I'm hoping that this article might inspire some people. Um, and But until then, it's for sale. But she um, realized, you know, it's been hard to, since the Great Recession, I think she's talking 2008, mm-hmm. when they tried 10 years ago to develop a website with the growing competition ranging from individuals to Amazon. Yeah. And, you know, we also have Etsy and we had at some other oh, you know, places. She decided it wasn't worth the time and money. And Haas said the same thing for about Patina. It's not worth the time and the money. I like these destination places where you go to, you can find the perfect card, you can find a perfect gift, you can run around in the store for a while and it, and just look at all the creative ideas and yeah. people are so clever mm-hmm. and the gifts are so clever and buy stuff for yourself and someone else. Oh, Love it. Yeah, go to Patina and Bibolo all the mm-hmm. time to buy gifts for people. Don't you think? Yeah. So it's going to be starting Wednesday, which is tomorrow. Uh, they're going to start discounting at 30% and she thinks it's going to go through January or February till they liquidate everything. But a buyer, any new buyer 
who wants to start with new merchandise it right away, wants to deal with it. And just get in there and buy it. Well, I hope somebody buys it. Somebody who's always wanted to have a shop. This is your perfect opportunity to get in and buy I'd it. I'd have half of it be soup, homemade soups, and the other half oh, be shopping. Really? I want what? A, I've always wanted a, what? a soup, soup and shop. shop. Yeah. Soup, soup and shop. Soup and shop. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've always wanted to have you a soup. You wanted a soup shop? I love soup. Oh. Like, I love soup. Okay. You know, and Eddington's is so far out in the suburbs. You know, I it in Sorry, I'm just shocked. I'm trying to like reel in that I you've always know. wanted a soup shop My, out of everything, soup and shop, sip and shop, soup no, and shop. No, but I mean, I didn't even have to have the retail with it, but I wouldn't mind it for the people. But I've always wanted to have a great place to just go eat a bunch of soups. Okay. I love don't you love soup? Well, I love I, soup yeah, I like too. Soup, yeah. Yes. I know. Well, and I wouldn't charge girl. as much as some of the grocery stores. Oh, well, finally, yeah, hey, yeah. before we go to break, I want to yeah. let you know that I've paid it forward from yesterday. Oh, the dollar. The dollar. The that, guilt dollar. The guilt dollar that, that Julia, I got in the mail. That Julia received in her J.D. Power and Associates survey that was burning <laughs> a hole in your pocket yesterday. And so you paid it forward to me. I put it in a tip jar this morning, Julia. So now it is out there in the ether and, and somebody has it. It's been divided. And now you can rest well. Rest well, that Julia. The burden is off of your wow, shoulders. But doesn't it's off of yours because you got it's to get off it? Of mine. People called in with ideas. Our long this was nightmare just, is over. Yeah, yeah. Our long <laughs> national nightmare is over. Me feeling if only. guilty getting a, a, dollar a dollar in the mail. Yeah. I thought it was mean. I hate owing people. All right, now I'm glad you did that. Okay. Rest well, Julia. I, I can now. All right, when we come back, um, if you, Michelle Obama has her book came out today, and she sat down with Robin Roberts. Quite a bit, and we've got some of the outtakes, but it's pretty amazing some messages that she has that we'll share when we come back with a story we can't get enough of. You'll miss the magic of the good old days. Wish I didn't think I had the answers. Wish I didn't drink all of that glass first. Wish I made it to homecoming. Oh my gosh, the sun is out two days in a row, people. Hallelujah. We'll come out today. I know. That's right. And tomorrow and Thursday. And it's getting warmer for uh, a few yeah, days, 40, so enjoy 40, that. 40 tomorrow. Woo! Springtime in November. It's finally, finally, finally. Okay, so Michelle Obama's book came out today, and it is called Becoming. And she is doing, um, she's not doing a press tour. She's doing events, like at the Chicago Stadium, whatever that one's called there. Whoever, uh, where the like, hockey team plays? Where, Soldier yeah. Field? Not no. So, no, the, <laughs> no, no it's indoors. It's a stadium, like indoor. Oh, yeah, United, United, like United, United Center? Center. United Center. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Something like that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but in the meantime, she has been spending a lot of time with Robin Roberts. And then Gail King, I knew, was on assignment. She's going to go cover it tonight and work with her. Um, so she's talked about a lot of different things. And we talked a little bit about what she talked about yesterday. But here she is talking about um, miscarriages. Now, for the first time, Michelle is opening up about parts of their marriage she held deeply private for years. First, infertility. She writes, It turns out that even two committed go-getters with a deep love and robust work ethic can't will themselves into being pregnant. She did get pregnant, but then weeks later, she miscarried. I felt lost and alone, and I I felt like I failed because I didn't know how common miscarriages were because we don't talk about it. We sit in our own pain, thinking that somehow we're broken. She reveals that it was with the help of infertility treatments that Malia and then Sasha were finally conceived. The biological clock is real because 
egg production is limited. And I realized mm. that as I was 34 and 35, we had to, to, to do IVF. I think it's the worst thing that we do to each other as women, not share the truth about our bodies and how they work and how they don't work. I mean, so this is something, and it's surprising today that people don't know how common miscarriages are. Yeah. Because I remember I had I had two. Mm-hmm. And um, one was younger and one was um, my, like, my first one, like, when I was married. Yeah. <laughs> okay, full disclosure there, woo. That's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Anywho, I was, and I thought, oh my gosh, in three of us, three of my girlfriends, myself and two others, we all had the same due date, July 15th. Oh. And it was so crazy. And I remember us all going to this place at the Mall of America, one of the big restaurants that had just, when it first opened up, um, I think it's where Crave is now. Mm-hmm. Oh, the California Cafe. That Was that, that right? it? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it was. I used to work there. Well, You've worked Look everywhere. I know. I have <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, anyways, go yeah, on. So anywho, um, and we were all so excited. And one of them ended up having the baby born on the exact date. One of them ended up having a baby born... Um, I think four weeks early or a month early and the baby, it was even earlier than that. The baby was just a little over a pound and she's in medical school now. Mm. And then I lost mine at 15 weeks. Mm. And so, you know, 12 weeks is kind of like everyone says, don't tell anyone, don't tell mm-hmm. anyone, you know, but you're so exhausted and everything. And I remember I was working at Carlson companies and all of a sudden I went to the bathroom and I noticed spotting and I'm like, mm. oh, no way. Because I was a mom by that point. Because you kind of, if you make it through the 12-week period, and it was just devastating. Yeah. And because you feel like you've changed who you are. You've taken this new path. You're, it, it's just the most bizarre thing. But mm. then you start finding out how many other people, once you have one, have had one. It's unbelievable Yeah, how common they are. Well, and it helps when people, when Julia, you just sharing your story now. Just I I mean it. It it helps people and I think you, Michelle, sharing their stories, it really has an effect on the way that women talk to each other about these experiences. Mm-hmm. And I can see that in in my friends, in my and the people that I, I, I'm with in my life on that personal level where there is an ability to open up and have these conversations and support each other. Right. Right. And you do feel like a failure. Is that right? And you also do mm-hmm. feel like you're even though Bill felt it and was super sad and everything, because mm-hmm. he was in it with me and it was pretty tra- it was traumatic when mm-hmm. it was all going mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Um, I couldn't let it go. And I went, uh, I got depressed. You know, no, I it really, sure. you want to be able to move, but you, it's really, so she's talking about some really real things. So I think that's great of her. Yeah, absolutely. And then this is, um, this is something we talked about yesterday, which I just think would be so wise for people to know in any relationship and know it sooner rather than when you have to go to marriage counseling to find out about it. So here she's sharing her marriage counseling. She shares details about how the stress of their... All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hectic schedules infiltrated their marriage. You write about at one point in your marriage mm-hmm. that you and Barack went to marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Why did you think it was important to share that? For those young people out there, who think that marriage is supposed to be easy. And marriage counseling for us was one of those ways where we learned how to talk out our differences. What I learned about myself was that my happiness was up to me. And I started working out more. I started asking for help, not just from him, but from other people. I stopped feeling guilty. It's important for me to take care of myself. That's not on Barack. I know too many young couples who struggle and think that somehow there's something wrong with them. And I want them to know that Michelle and Barack Obama, who have a phenomenal marriage and who love each other, we, we work on our marriage and we get help with our marriage when we need it. And that is just such, we talked about this yesterday. I don't know if it was at the same time or no, whenever we talked about it, but it's just, you are responsible for your own happiness. And if you're expecting to get it from your partner, you have to go back and look at you. Yeah, and that applies for an intimate relationship, that applies for friendships, uh, familiar relationships, anything. anything. And it's amazing, yeah, sure. though, how at some point in a, in, a, in a relationship, you start to think it's the other person's responsibility, subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you, I just think she's right on. Yeah, you get to that place and then you ask for help. Once you recognize, you're like, ooh, no, okay, let's get somebody in here to help us out. That's easier, so much easier said than done. Yeah, of course it is. It is. Yeah. Yes, of course it 110% is. easier said than done. Yes, and if everyone could just, oh, this is just yeah. what we do. And who said that? I think it was like um, Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard. You know, marriage counseling for them is just a tune-up. They just go in, yeah. they expect to do it once a year or something, and it's just a tune-up kind of having a third party tell them kind of, okay, let's get it all on the table, which is so smart. Yeah. So smart. So here she's just talking about what is she hoping resonates with readers of the book Becoming. What is the the, the message that you hope uh, resonates most with readers? That all of our stories matter. Um, And I think, yeah, I uh, talked to a group of Whitney Young students yesterday, Mm. and a couple of them said, I don't even know why I was picked to be here to talk to you. Because that's how a lot of us think. And us, I mean women, I mean underrepresented folks, I mean folks who are other. We feel somehow that our stories don't matter. Um, and that's because we hear so few stories. The stories of how, what it means to be human, what it means to be American, those stories are limited. Um, and I want people to be as proud of their stories as I am of mine, because I believe my story is a quintessential American story, as is all of our stories. You really so I hope this book encourages people to tap into their memories and to find the power and the truth and who they are and to own it and to put it out there. Oh, Michelle, thank She's you so, so much. You so can't well make said. it to the United Center tonight. Uh, she'll be at the L.A. Forum. She's just doing a, she's doing a, a stadium tour. Yeah, very few cities, though. I love it. Yeah. yeah. All, All right, when we come back, oh, we have an amazing book. Stay with us. Now, trend is emerged. This is the My Talk Now Trending Report. What's happening right now? 
trending online this afternoon. Today, it's World Kindness Day. Also, trending Game of Thrones. The show is set to return this April, April 2019, on HBO. Uh, and National Landing Trending, that is the name of the Amazon rebranding of its location in Northern Virginia near Crystal City. They're calling it National Landing. Amazon's second headquarters is going to be split between Arlington, Virginia, and also Long Island City uh, near New York City. And also trending online this afternoon would be celebrities uh, helping out the community in Southern California, uh, communities that have been hit hard by the wildfires, including Foo Fighters Dave Grohl. He was cooking barbecue for Fire Station 68 in Calabasas, serving up some hot food and support uh, for those who are being uh, impacted by the Southern California wildfires. That's what's trending here at my talk. Here is your forecast. Partly cloudy at 15 for the overnight low, but it's going to be getting better. Sunny tomorrow and again on Thursday. Tomorrow's high 40 up to 43 on Thursday. Right now we do have sun. It's 21 at my talk. Now you know what we know. See more at mytalk1071.com. It must be a book author interview on the Lori and Julia show. We're delighted to have Ingrid Rojas Contreras with us. She has written a novel called Fruit of the Drunken Tree. It's your debut novel, and it's kind of autobiographical. And Ingrid, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, where, I'm thrilled. Where are we catching you today? I am in San Francisco. Oh, nice. All right, so here is the big question. Um after reading the book and knowing your story, um, what, can you just give everybody the setup for the book and a little bit about your background? Yeah. Okay. So the so Fruit of the Drunken Tree is a story about two young girls who are living together through the 90s in Bogota in Colombia. So there's car bombs and kidnappings and assassinations. And Pablo Escobar is in the background of it. And in the center of the novel, it's these two young girls who have this friendship together. But because they come from very different backgrounds and different classes, um, the violence slowly starts to come into their lives and it tears them apart. And it's, just, um, and it's told through, the two, through Chula and through uh, Patrona's voices, two young girls. Yes. Yeah, this is true. Um, and Chula is a middle-class girl, and she lives in a gated community in, in Bogota. And she's um, and and Petrona is uh, she lives. Her family has been displaced by the violence of Colombia, and she lives in guerrilla-occupied territory. So the part that's autobiographical is that when I was living in Colombia. Uh, we, my family would take in young girls who had been displaced by the civil conflict and they would live with us and they would be our caretakers. And one of these girls who also lived in guerrilla occupied territory was threatened into acting against our family. And they told her, if you don't do this, we'll, we'll kill your, your family. So she had this horrible choice. Um, and that's what, what the book is based on. Yeah, it's just it's just an amazing story. And I think, you know, living here in Minnesota and growing up here, we have absolutely no clue what it was like to live in those scary times. And and even some of the, um, you know, some of the context in the book 
is lovely. It's told in in the fruit of the drunken tr- drunken tree. Is is can you explain to everybody what that means? Sure. So the so there's a tree in Colombia that we call borrachero, and it literally means drunken tree. So this this tree is very poisonous, and when you grind the the seeds, it produces this drug that we call burundanga. And when you're exposed to to this drug. Uh, none of your motor skills are affected, but you lose your free will. So you're highly suggestible, and you do whatever you know anybody tells you to do. And the next day, you have no memory of what happened. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's a very scary uh, drug, and it's hard to believe that it exists. Right. Um, yeah. It does. Okay, so, so you know, here you are. This is your first novel. You're a huge hit. Um, everyone just says bravo to you on this on this story, and it's extremely moving. It's extremely difficult to read too because you think of how sad it is when you think of these young young people and what they're going through in their life every day. And the TV is kept on to find out when the power goes on and off. Yeah. And, and always hearing all of the bad things that are happening and seeing car bombings and knowing that there's a kidnapping that are being attempted. Your father was kidnapped. Even what mm-hmm. what you know? I read that you started writing the book when you were in Chicago and couldn't leave the U.S. to visit your family because you were between visas. What has this? Was it something that was just growing in you that you really thought I need to write my story? A story about this? Yeah, actually, I tried uh, not to write it for many years, but every single thing that I wrote just kept leading me back into the story, um, and I would I would try to write. I don't know, fiction about people in circuses. <laughs> Happy times. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it all somehow just kept turning into this story. And when I, you know, it, it's, it was so, uh, it was the reason why my family and I left Colombia, what happened. And it, it's, in a way, it just haunted me until I was able to, to write it, until I was able to, to voice what had happened in this fictional parallel world. It, uh, it, it did a lot of healing for me and it, and it allowed me to, to address, you know, what it, what it means to be an immigrant, what it means to come, uh, with an experience like that Mm -hmm. into a country that, that is very safe. And, you know, people don't experience things like that. Uh, so I was able to explore all of that through the book. And do you think it was important? How was it important for you to tell the story of what was happening in Colombia in the 80s and 90s uh, through a perspective of young females, uh, Chula and Petrona? You know, we're not we in the United States are somewhat familiar with uh, Pablo Escobar and his story and the people around him. But uh, how was it important for you to tell it uh, from this female young perspective? You know, it was so important to me because you know, uh, centering young girls who are maybe the the worst, the people who are the worst off when we talk about violence or civil conflict. Uh, And and for that story not to have uh, been in the forefront of the 90s in Colombia was very troubling to me. You know, why are we focusing on what Pablo Escobar was thinking about and, you know, what he did and how many jets did he have right. when when so many people's lives were kind of destroyed by 
his his war with the government. So I was more interested in, in centering women and, and young women and what it was like for them to to try to make it unscathed through that time. It's, it, you know, one of the lines just talking about how they're young Colombian women standing on a street corner corner to deliver envelopes to men on motorcycles about information about kidnappings or dying that you really just to be that young and know you really don't have a choice mm-hmm. and just to know it at such an early age i just the book is amazing it's the fruit of the drunken tree by in ingrid rojas contreras and ingrid so when you've been out talking to people have other people come up to you that kind of have shared the same experiences or have you met people from different countries that have immigrated to the United States that have common, any commonalities? Yes, I've heard so much from, it goes from um, my, my family left Colombia in the 80s and I grew up in the U.S. and I had no idea why they left because they don't talk about it. Oh, right. And this book has, has shown me a little bit of what might have been going on. Yeah. Um, to, uh, you know... I, you know, my, one of my family members was kidnapped or, um, we also had to flee because of the violence. And it's just this very beautiful moving thing for me to, to give this story, um, to, to my community in the book and then to, to have these events where people approach me and then they tell me their story. That's been so meaningful and it just, uh, just fills me with, with joy every time that it happens. What a that's wonderful. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, we are excited to share your book, Fruit of the Drunken Tree, with everybody else. Um, can you, we always ask our authors, Ingrid, what's the last great book that you read? The last great book that I read? Um, I just finished reading, the last book that I read was uh, Friday Black. Okay. By Nana Kwame Ajay. Brenya, and his, uh, he's, uh, he just got a big literary award, and it's a book of short stories, and it's kind of like um, Black Mirror meets, like, Get Out. Oh, Get Out of Here, uh, really? <laughs> oh, my yeah, gosh. Like, that sounds yeah, wild. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's this wonderful book that's, uh, about, it kind of becomes sci-fi at times, and it's about race and you know, what it's like to be a black man, but it's also about uh, relationships and it's beautifully written. Oh, and wonderful. it's just as addictive as like black when you see Black Mirror. It's, oh gosh, it's, it's just as addicting as that. It's so, a wonderful book. So Ingrid, you made it past the first episode of Black Mirror. I was done. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't go through another one after the pig scene. <laughs> Fantabulously there, tense. There, there was no going. So the book is Friday Black, and your book is Fruit of the Drunken Tree. Congratulations, yes, congratulations you congratulations, on your success. Ingrid. And so Thank nice to so meet much. you and hear your story. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, when we've got a couple copies of the book to give away, you can call us at 651-641-1071. I see people are already doing that. Fantastic. When we come back, we really, 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 really want to know your favorite holiday movies because here they come, people, and we want to talk about it. I've been So to get you all excited about what's happening on the Hallmark channels one and two, here oh, wow. we go. Sell it. Wait, there's two channels. For the first time ever. 
A Thanksgiving movie tradition so big, it takes two networks to celebrate. Twelve all-new original holiday movie premieres. Nine nights, two networks, one spectacular celebration. Hosted by me, Candace Cameron Bray. The nine-night Thanksgiving movie event. It all starts Saturday, November 17th. On Hallmark Channel and Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Oh, is that not exciting? Okay. Exciting. Sure, is that what yeah. we're calling it, Julia? Is that exciting? Yeah. Okay. Was that Candace Cameron Bure? You know, I was at the salon. Yes. yes. And Braille. I was, you know. You look fabulous. Go check no. out Julia's haircut. Oh, whatever. I'm looking at. <laughs> I, I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game. And you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. I, I take things from magazines. I miss a magazine. I'm going to start getting Entertainment Weekly well, again. So you took it from the... Pe- no, I did. Nobody's going to be able to read that. I know, but this is the Double Truck Holiday <laughs> TV movie roundup on the Hallmark channels. They've oh, got it broken my. into categories oh, for um, mm-hmm. Destination, mm-hmm. Going oh, Home, oh, no. Toy Stories, Getting Baked, Out of Tune, Appetite for Holiday Romance. So anyway, those are just... Wait, getting Baked. Okay, you want to know what's under that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, getting baked. I that, mean, that could be many baked. It's going to be Christmas and Love, which is a big city executive wants to streamline a quaint oh. bakery oh. and a very nutty Christmas <laughs> featuring Melissa Joan Hart as a freshly single bakery owner who may find unlikely romance with the Nutcracker Prince. <laughs> Kinky. You never know what's going to happen no, on these stations. So I was asking, I've just been asking everybody, what's your favorite holiday movie? And here's what, you know, do you have some that you have to watch every year with your family or something? All right, Donnie, what's yours? My favorite is still the 1951 version of A Christmas Carol with British acts, a British movie and with stars Alistair Sim as Scrooge. That's my, that's my favorite. I I remember watching that once when I was young and old school. Yeah, Yeah, big time. Old school on that one. Big time. What's your one? I love watching Home Alone whenever it's on TV. I will stop and watch that film. I don't make it a destination, but it's on so much that mm-hmm. I don't even have to. I was overexposed to Home Alone. Well, of course, with because you boys. had little it's, boys. Yeah. And three of them. Oh, yeah. But that movie is fantastic. Oh, my gosh. But I prefer... Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. Oh, my gosh. I, I You know what? <laughs> I might have girlfriend. gotten burnt out on that one. I love yeah. Elf. Okay, that's He good. makes me... And Love Actually. And I also like Miracle on 34th Street. Which one? But we'd like yeah, to hear one? yours, the old school one, the old, Natalie. The original one? Okay. Um, Wood. Yeah. As Susan, mm-hmm. the seven-year-old or six-year-old girl. All right, 952. What's our... Nope. Oh, that's no, my no, phone no, number. No, yeah, yours. give it up. Don't give out your number. <laughs> 651-641-1071. We want to hear from you what your favorite one movie is. But, you know, Love Actually has just been a favorite forever of Lori and mine. It's become a Christmas classic. Yes, and it's sure. been around for a long time. We both bought the soundtrack way back, I think it came out in 2006. But a couple different plot lines, um, there's, I think they're celebrating 15 years. I don't even know how many years it's been out I now. But the guy who wrote Love Actually is also the same guy who wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral. You can kind of tell. Um, Richard Curtis. Yes, you can. But here's how he got the idea for writing Love Actually. 
And uh, he was watching the Love Express at the arrival gate of LAX. It's what inspired him to write an ensemble romance of all these different people's lives coming together. And you you don't get that anymore because no one can meet you at the arrival gate. So you can see it maybe at baggage now. That's true. Baggage claim baggage, has become the new place. Claim or out on the curb where people can see each other. But I see a lot of people want to weigh in. And I want you to tell us why. But a couple plot lines from the film that I thought were interesting is that um, the gal who played um, Natalie Hugh Grant's, you know, the British prime minister's assistant when he got nominated or got elected, um, she was best known as um, for a BBC drama East Enders. Yeah. And he actually wrote the part for her. Well, fantastic. She does a great job. Yep, and uh, Bill Nye, who plays Billy Mack, the old dodgy singer, um, he didn't know he was doing a rehearsal for the um, the play. Mm-hmm. His friend's a great casting director, and she always wanted to get him to act. And she, he just said, I'll read it for you so you get some ideas for other people, and that's how they cast him. Cool. Um, Laura Linney, he wrote her a personal letter, and she took it. He also wrote a personal letter to Denise um, Richards and Billy Bob Thornton, and they didn't bite, but Laura Linney did. I'm glad she did. I love mm-hmm. And she bit because yeah. he said he'd been looking for a Laura Linney type, and his wife said, why don't you just ask her? Yeah. yeah there you go. And that's what type really? of it. Okay, so let's talk to Kim. Kim. Hey, Kim. Hi. How are you guys? We're great. Fantastic. What's your, what's your holiday you must? Have seen the new Grinch that just came out? It is so good. Is it? It is. They made him so much nicer, and he's nicer to his dog, Max, which makes him so much more lovable for kids and for adults. I bet. He used to, yep. Yeah. Remember how oh, mean God. the Grinch was to his dog? Yeah, yeah he was he a was little painful. mean. Little okay, so sad. he really liked it. it. It breaked at the box office yeah. this weekend. It was, it was so good. It was narrated by Pharrell, and it, it is just so much nicer. He's, it, his face is even just much less, you know, mean looking. So it's just, it's really good. I love it. Do you, you have young kids? I don't. I had teenagers. Okay. And my high schooler went with his three boy with his three guy friends, and, they and my husband it? and I tagged along. They all loved it. It was so good. Oh, I'm oh, so glad. Kim. Well, that's good because okay, I was kind of leery because I love the Grinch with Jim Carrey. Oh, with Jim Carrey. Yeah, and the original. But well, we watched Boris that one. Karloff. I know we yeah. love that one too. Okay, Julie. Hi. Hi, honey. Hi. Oh, you have a crying baby. I have. I'm a daycare teacher. Who is that? Um, I don't, that is, I don't know right now. <laughs> okay, okay, but tell us what you liked. I love a very Brady Christmas. Oh. All right, now, I've never heard that one in a, I have not heard that one. Oh, that's a good one. It's, it's so sappy, it's funny. <laughs> well, so did, I'm gonna, was this a made-for-TV movie from back in the 80s? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. All the kids come home for Christmas. Okay. It's 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 just okay. It's a good movie. Well, I love that. That's, That's a very fun. I think that would be fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, All right, Julie. thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Anne. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hello, really good. How are you today? I'm doing great. Good. So I totally agree with you about Love Actually. I have to watch it every year. Oh, it is good. Um, every few years I can watch It's a Wonderful Life, but it's too traumatic to watch every single year. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I like to go dark for my favorite one that I will watch every year, and that's The Ref. The Ref oh. with Dennis Leary. Oh Dennis How Leary. Yes. fun. So, Anne, why yeah. do you visit that one every year? Um, because there's 
such horrible people and they're fighting and it just it makes me laugh because it doesn't resemble my life at all right and yeah i i really have a guilty pleasure with watching horrible people be horrible oh i love it i love it all right there we go (laughs) thank you Anne. all right thank you some other ones like i love um the family stone oh that's a cute one with sarah jessica parker and um dillman mcdermott my boyfriend Oh, Dermot Mulroney. Oh, that Dermot one. Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, I know. Not Donnie. Dylan McDermott. I know, whatever. Which yes, one? Tomato, tomato. He's it one of them. Matter. Okay, Sharon. Hi, yes. Sharon. Hi, Sharon. What's Hi. your favorite holiday movie? Oh, uh, it's black and white. A tree grows in Brooklyn. <gasps> yeah. Oh, okay, Sharon. Another classic. No, I love Auntie Mame. Oh, I love Auntie Mame. Oh, yes. And I like the Rosalind one, and I like the Lucille Ball one. Uh, I like the Roslyn one best, but uh, if you've never seen The Tree Grows in Brooklyn, it's fabulous. It's really good filmmaking, good good storyline, good things to um, uplift. It's really great. You know, that on the national read-off, the book, The Tree Grows in Brooklyn, was in the top, I think, 15 of all-time oh, really? favorite books. Yeah. yeah. So that's Oh, and by the way, yes? I love all the Hallmark movies, even though I used to be a filmmaker, and they're stupid. Yeah. I just love them. Aren't they just... Oh, Sharon, girl, stupid. They are beyond dumb, but they're just... There's something corny, because oh you can you can clean your house at the same time, or you oh, can do yes, laundry. Yeah, that's absolutely... Yes, I can do laundry, I can do baking, and they make you smile. They do. they're so silly. Did you make any good I, films? I not like that, but... No, I know. You know. It. Did you make any good films that we know? Uh, no, I made some. Um, I made some films for the National Geographic that won all sorts of awards, and were translated in different languages. So that the guy who's in it, who was like really, really like he was uh, seventy-two when he started, he um, he thinks he can speak different languages now. I love it. I love it. <laughs> thanks, Sharon. Sharon, thanks for the call. Thanks everyone for weighing in on favorite holiday music uh, or movies. or movies. movies. Music will be another topic. We'll be back.